And I was almost in tears. And I managed to say, if only you knew. And she goes, he knows, sticks her finger up in the air and walks away. And I'm standing there by myself. I'm like, did that just happen? Mm -hmm. A complete stranger just walked up to me, told me what I've been thinking about all day long, two things, both of them right, and walked away. Well, Perry, I think you just got a memo from the head office. (laughs) Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. All right, welcome again to the Innovative Founder, Bob Here we and Brandon. Are. How are you all? Hello, everyone. What's going on out there? Brandon, well, you just got back from an amazing trip uh, to Corpus Christi. Tell me, what, what were you doing down there, Bob? Okay, so I had some friends that you gotta try windsurfing. Like, okay, you know, and I, there was there was an experience years ago where my mother had picked off a, a windsurfing kit from a garage sale, gave it to my brother and I to play with at our cabin in Wisconsin. Well, imagine two lumbering, you know, drunk guys trying to learn how to windsurf with no instruction whatsoever not a freaking clue. So I'm like holding the board down while he's trying to stand on it and we're trying to catch wind. It was just pathetic. And needless to say, we never touched that thing again for forever. And so <laughs> I had some friends kind of be say, you got to try it. You got to try it. It's wonderful. And then there I was, I saw this guy at the lake. He's like 70 years old. He's like, man, this is the best. I've tried them all. I got it. This is the best sport. I love this. I'm like, okay, well, if this guy can do it, I can do it. So uh, I went down to Corpus Christi and I rented uh some gear and I, and I had an instructor, a couple of these, these pro long haired tan dudes yeah, um, and got on it. And it was very easy to learn. And of course, difficult to master over time, but just to get on the board and be able to tool around for a couple hours and figure it out. And in a very ideal condition was amazing. Um, I get it. It's one of those moments, especially the second day where, you know, you, you know, we, we tease the surfer dudes, right? Because they're just, they're hip and they're Zen and the waves and all that kind of talk. Well, I get it now. I'm standing on this board and I'm feeling the waves beneath my feet. And then in my hands through my arms, I'm feeling the wind and my body is this kind of conduit for, for connecting the wind to the water. And it was amazing. So I'm, I'm hooked. I'm buying stuff. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Now you just have yeah, yeah. another expensive habit. I, <laughs> I did like, you did post something on Facebook, which I thought was pretty insightful, which was kind of a younger version of yourself would not be satisfied until you mastered it. But you actually developed a love for it right away, even though you sucked at it, yes. for lack of a better term. Yes, uh, yeah, that, that's 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 growth for me personally because it's, it's you know I can easily get into things and and you know bludgeon myself because I'm not good enough yet, and and that's just a recipe for you know you know I'll enjoy it when I'm good at it. But that's a really yeah. sucky formula, unfortunately. That happens to a lot of us, but yeah, I I find myself you know, we talked about golf on last episode is like, it's golf could be a pretty miserable sport to take up. If you're only, 
if you're only satisfied with the successes because you have more failures than successes. And I think yeah. that goes with anything in life. Sure. Um, I, th- I just think it takes wisdom and experience to really realize like, Hey, part of, part of the enjoyment of this thing is the learning process. Yes. And, and I think what we're connect, we're, we're connected to entrepreneurs on this show. And, you know, the common thread I think we have is we, we love to solve problems, but we love to create experiences for ourselves, for our clients and, and find the enjoyment in the, in the process. It's so rote, right? Enjoy the journey. Right. But like, we have to remind ourselves of that. There's a reason people keep saying it is because it's, it's part of that. And, so true. and I think this show is going to be for those folks that want that inspiration. Our, our guest today is, is, is author and speaker and speaker builder. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and a good friend of ours, Perry Marshall. Um, you've probably heard of him. Uh, Perry has written a number of books. Uh, he's written the book, 80, 20 sales and marketing is the one he's probably most well-known for. He's written, of course, The Ultimate Guide to Google Advertising, uh, The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, which he had a really awesome co-author this time around. Yes. And <laughs> and that would be you, Bob. You, yes. Bob yes. Okay. Right I didn't want to toot my own horn. No, I'll toot it for you. Right? You're fine. Yes. Um, yes. Very much but he so. also he also ventured into some other subjects, which we dive into in the podcast. He wrote a book called Evolution 2.0, yeah. which is an amazing journey and, and story in itself. And he wrote a book called Memos of the, uh, from the Head Office. And yeah. it's obviously uh, a term that is unique to Perry. Uh, it's essentially like hearing from the universe, hearing from God, that you're going to hear some of that. So this is an episode where you're going to really kind of like travel the globe, right? Yes. That's the theme yes. here. We're going to travel. We're going to talk about evolution. Uh, we're going to talk about industry disruption. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a, a person that suddenly appears in your life, right? Gives you advice and pushes you into something new. And uh, you're going to hear about Perry's vision for a new renaissance and how he's ushering that and, and how you could be part of that too. Uh, it's an amazing episode. Um, we would encourage you to hook up with Perry on perrymarshall.info. Uh, it's really easy. There's an opt-in box there. You'll want to opt in and you can, you're going to get emails from Perry. Uh, you can head over to Amazon, of course, type in Perry's name and kind of figure out what book you want to start with. But mm-hmm. um, I think you're going to really enjoy today's episode. Brandon and I had a fantastic time interviewing him. Yes. Uh, it's, and it's a longer episode, but I think it's going to hold your interest for sure. All right. With that, we are here with a very good friend of ours and a longtime friend, client, mentor, friend, business partner. Like, I don't know how many ways we could describe our relationship, Perry, but <laughs> um, Perry Marshall, the infamous Perry Marshall is here. Welcome to the show, Perry. I'm okay. glad to be on your show with the lethal <laughs> Brandon. So, so I, don't, I, I don't remember this, Perry. So when we first met, it was uh, March of 2003. Uh, I don't, were you a big deal then or not quite yet? 2003, no. Okay. So you were kind of a big deal because I know who you were. You didn't know who I was. And uh, we were at a John, John Reese seminar. Okay. Uh, John Reese was a big internet marketer and pretty, he put together this seminar, high price seminar, which I couldn't afford, uh, but I went anyway. 
And the who's who of internet marketing was in there. Frank Kerr and Yannick Silver, the late, great Gary Halbert was there. Like it was a pretty impressive room. So I got up the courage, Perry, to come up and shake your hand and introduce myself. And um, he said, hey, good to meet you. I have to go to dinner. (laughs) 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 It was it was the most like, okay. So Perry's too busy. Actually, you were, I think you were getting in a car with Yannick and somebody else, but uh, I shook your hand. And and then, of course, we didn't really get to know each other until a couple of years later. We went to some very interesting conferences, which we won't get into on this on this <laughs> podcast. But uh, needless to say, um, I think the first extended conversation you and I had, Perry, was after a Portillo's beef sandwich in uh, the south side of Chicago. And you taught me about how a uh, bacteria evolves to to keep itself alive. You remember that that walk and talk? Yes, I do. So first, I'm really glad to have made such a favorable impression. The first, right? Um, <clears throat> first, I want to know, Bob, was the handshake was it a firm, masculine handshake? Are we talking dead fish, sweaty palms? What are we talking? It was somewhere in between. That? It was somewhere like a, okay. a hurry. It was like I don't have time for you type of handshake. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. Well, <laughs> never lived that down. <laughs> no. Nope. But uh you remember you remember that walk and talk? Yeah, I do. Um yeah, you and me and Matt. We were yeah. talking about yeah. And I was yeah, I was spewing all over you with all the stuff I was geeked over at the time, which I'm still geeked over. So I mean, yeah. you, you've written you've written uh, some really amazing books, uh 80 20 sales and marketing. But you were working on a book called Evolution 2.0, which uh, we're going to get into that um, a little bit later in this podcast and figure out, like, how does somebody like you get into writing a book called Evolution 2.0? But um, we want to dive in. This this is a little bit different format than than most shows. We we want to kind of dive into some interesting things. You and Brandon have a really interesting connection. So I'm going to I'm going to get Brandon the, the floor right now. Yes. Thank you. So, Perry. You have talked about numerous times, let's just jump right into it, that how important travel is for you. Um, um, and I want to talk about something that Bob and I were, were vibing a little bit before we get on was you get your sources of inspiration for business from outside of business um, environments, let's say. Travel being one of them, um, building speakers, drum lessons, um, inspiration outside of you know nature, geometry, fractals. Can you talk about that? And, and you talk about what's going on right now in Perry world that relate to that specific uh, sort, those specific sources of inspiration. So I think most business books are dreadfully boring. I, I just, I mean, I have quite a few of them and some of them are great. Uh, some of them are fantastic, but mostly they just regurgitate the same old stuff and they follow these formulas and, uh, I don't know. Life has to hold your interest. Mm. And, and, and so I find like, I, I just, um, I, I just got done with a conversation and with, with a guy who's, whose business is down and like, I just had this little feeling that I should bring up uh, something that I learned from the music industry from a from a client uh, who who taught me something and like I in it it just 
the whole conversation just turned in a different direction and it was a much better direction than it was before. And I, I feel like uh, one of the things that's very important is to uh, to cultivate my intuition and my listening ear so that I can notice like when there's a, there's a thing on the edge of your brain, when you're in a situation, it's like, maybe, maybe you should think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always your ADHD, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's very valuable things in that. And so I have this belief that everything runs on the same set of principles and everybody's doing the same thing. They just think that it looks different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for example, uh, I've said for a very long time that business is biology and biology is business, that they both are really the same thing, even though a biology book doesn't looks completely, utterly unlike a business book. They're both about ecosystems and they're both about supply and demands and they're both about uh, beings that are trying to satisfy needs. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, the, the more diverse um, things I, I pull into the, my world, the more interesting it gets and the less likely that people are going to hear the same thing from me that they're hearing from everybody else. And so, yeah, I put a high priority on travel and experiences. Um, I think experiences are much more important than things. I'm much more likely to spend my money on experiences than things. But I think it's interesting, Perry, like you're, you're a Midwestern guy. You're from Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Like, did you travel outside of Nebraska before you were a young adult? Well, I did. Um, My dad and mom took us to North Carolina, Virginia to visit grandma and grandpa every summer. And it was three days there in the car and three days back. But as best as he could, he would also try to hit other states and hit other things. Um, you know, he had he had a lot more wanderlust than his budget would allow. But nevertheless, somehow or another, he would find a way to, well, there's got to be a way to get to Pennsylvania. There's got a way to get to New York, right? And and so we would do things like that. Um, and then, um, you know, when, when I got older, um, I mean, my first international trip was I went to Brazil in 1999. And it was because my brother-in-law had been living there when was, was about to move home. And Laura and I, it was our last chance to go see him before he wasn't living there anymore. And so we got like a full immersion in Sao Paulo, Brazil for a week, which was unreal, right? And and then um, a couple of years later, I went to Asia, went to Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China. And I noticed that every time I would come back from an international trip, my brain would be like stretching and like trying to accommodate this thing that had just happened. And for at least a couple of weeks, I would be processing really hard. I would be dreaming different and thinking different and all of a sudden comparing 
my normal familiar environment to where I just came from and connecting a lot of dots. And so I've just continued to do that. I came back from Antarctica four months ago. My brain is still reeling from that. Um, and so in there's a lot of people like this, but I'm not sure most people ever give themselves permission to well, really let's, do. Let's sit there for a minute. So yeah. Brand, Brandon, you just got back from a windsurfing trip in Corpus Christi, Texas. Now, yeah. like for you, Brandon, wh- like, why do you do that? And, and how does that affect your ability to come back and be really good at your you know, working inside of feed stories. Sure. Sure. I think, I think the word that comes to mind would be hard reset. So, you know, we have to reboot our computers once in a while on our phones, whatever electronic devices, because, you know, being on all the time, you, things get glitchy. And I don't know, I mean, probably for us, the room and most people who run businesses, entrepreneurs, you know, we feel like we're always on. I'm thinking about stuff in the shower. I'm thinking about stuff when I'm doing jujitsu stuff comes to mind for business you know, these principles that that we approach and and, um, getting away and taking myself completely out of an environment, aka my desk and home and and the routine and forcing myself to get on saltwater lake and learn something completely new at my age and and feel awkward and fall in the water. It's kind of like forcing your body and your your neurosystem, your neurology to reset and and some beautiful things can kind of, you know, happen when the snow globe gets shaken and you take yourself out of the norm and throw yourself into something to f- get a forced reboot, if you will. So, I mean, Perry, is that very similar for you? Yes. Yes. It's like shaking the snow globe, um, reorienting you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe this exactly, but you know, one of the things that I, I do a lot um, I'll do this a lot of time in the morning before my day gets going and I'm doing what I call Renaissance time is, well, you know, physically I'm here in Chicago, but mentally I'm on the West coast of Ireland or mentally I'm, uh, I'm on a glacier in Antarctica or I'm in Iceland. Like I'll, I'll do these mental escapes. Sometimes I'll even do it in a conversation. Like, you know, how about instead of talking to Bob from, Chicago, how about I talk to Bob from a cliff uh, at the top, you know, the top of a cliff on the ocean or, and, and I'll, I'll just put myself in these other mental states. And I find it very, uh, very helpful. Um, And, you know, maybe some people would call that a form of mindfulness. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not me leaving. It's not me not being present with you. It's just, bringing a different atmosphere into the conversation. And I find that it works. Um, and, and I, I find that if, if, if I don't do that enough, the creative tank gets empty. And, you know, I'm a person who makes a living on the quality of my new ideas or new insights. And so if I, if the creativity tank is full, then I find that solving business problems, helping clients, doing all those kinds of things is pretty easy. And if I'm getting fatigued, if I get creatively fatigued, 
or mentally fatigued, or if there's not enough input, it starts to slow down. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned to give myself permission to do these kinds of things. Like at Brandon, at some level, you had to give yourself permission yeah. to go to Corpus Christi yeah. and you know rent some equipment and stay somewhere and get on an airplane and take time off of work, right? Like the world doesn't naturally push you that direction. So I hope you've been enjoying this interview with Perry Marshall. Obviously you can understand how intelligent he is and inspiring he is. And we would love for you to find out more about Perry. You go to perrymarshall.info. You can enter your email address and get all kinds of great information from Perry. Uh, He's not going to waste your time. He's going to make you think. He's going to inspire you. And I think you're going to learn something every single day from him. So take a look at perrymarshall.info. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Ricknaris and Brandon Boyd. Not, not when you have exactly. the Protestant work ethic. <laughs> and I always tease you well, about it. Right? You know, it's, it's funny, and you'll all appreciate this, is weeks ahead of it, I had to make myself do it. I had to make myself schedule it. There were so many reasons to not. In fact, I wrapped it around a business meeting with one of our partners just to feel better about it, quite honestly. And it was only, it's not like I took a week and a half off. It was two days. And mm-hmm. very, you know, it, it was like an MP3 file. It was a lot of, of training packed into those two, three days. And it was phenomenal. Time expanded. Um, I feel satiated creatively. Like, okay, I gave myself that. So I, I completely resonate with the giving yourself permission, especially, you know, knowing some of the the background, the mid good old work ethic background that we're so, you know, beaten into us, you know, we're so conditioned. And, and so, a lot of people think that, well, I'll do that someday when I have enough money. Yeah. Um, look, you don't have to be expensive or lavish about these things. Okay. Now, you know, we're all in our fifties and we all have successful businesses. And so it is certainly easier for us to do that in a sense, not in all ways, but in certain ways, it's easier for us to do that. But, but like, if I go back 20 years, I remember John Carlton, uh, he was my copywriting coach. And he said, every month you should take a vacation. Like, even if it's just a night or two away, uh, even if it's just like a ch- cheap Airbnb or, 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 or go camping or, or something, but change your scenery, go see people that you wouldn't normally encounter, go to places that you wouldn't normally go. Um, you know, as a writer, as a business person, you need interesting things to write about. You need to be stimulated. If you're just sitting there staring at the same four walls um, and, and then trying to, as hard as you can to think of, well, think of something, well, think of, well, that, that doesn't work. Um, and so, in fact, one of my regrets is that I didn't take him more seriously. I did some of that, um, but I almost felt like, well, don't you have to deserve it before you mm. go do something like that? Mm. Yeah. Don't you have to earn well, it? Who, yeah. who told you that? What does deserve me? Yeah, right. Um, what What is, yeah, okay, I know you got kids in diapers and I know you're going to, 
have to, you know, get a babysitter or something. It's, it's going to cost you some money, but it's not, I mean, it's not even half your car payment. If you could do, do it on the cheap. Yeah. Um, but, but what are you going to get? And, and how about if it's relationship building time or, or what have you? So well, there's always ways. Harry, I, I, I found myself quoting you and I don't know if you're the source of this, but you, you always tell people to entrepreneurs need to play hard as, as hard as they work. Right. And I, I was given this advice to a young kid. He's 23 years old. Um, what actually went with us for part of golf and, you know, golf is hard. Like it's, it's strenuous and it's aggravating, but just sitting by the pool, drinking a pina colada is not yeah. necessarily what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's active. So, you know, Perry, I, I, I'd love to get a specific, like over the years, you have given out a book from uh, Shackelford, the explorer. Uh, yeah. Uh, pardon? Did I say it wrong? Shackleton. Shackleton. And you just went to Antarctica. And if you didn't go to Antarctica, you wouldn't have made this connection. So let's talk a little bit how those two things came together for you. Yeah. So Ernest Shackleton is the subject of probably the most dangerous and uh, unbelievable travel adventure story, literally in history. Um, 1914, he took 27 men to Antarctica, and the intention was to land on the coast in the fall when the winter was coming, exercise their dogs all winter long, get used to the cold, all of that. When spring came, they were going to go all the way across the continent to the other side. Their boat would pick them up on the other end, and they would go home. And none of this went as planned. Um, <laughs> Their, their boat never got to the coast of Antarctica. It got frozen in the ice a uh, hundred miles off the coast. They spent the winter in the ocean on the ice. And in the spring, the ice broke up and ground their ship into toothpicks and they sank and they were stuck in Antarctica with three lifeboats oh. in 1950. <laughs> No radios, wow. no nothing. No GPS. No GPS. Yes. No, GPS. no and They were there almost two years, and he got every man back safely. Mm. Um, and so there's a book um, by Carolyn Alexander called The Endurance. Beautiful coffee table book. Tells the whole story gorgeous pictures because they had a photographer on the trip and I've given this book away to clients for years. It's like you write a cover letter, you know, endurance, survival, bravery, courage, you know, tenacity, all that stuff. Right. It's great. Um, then I went to Antarctica and the whole story went from two dimensions to three or maybe three to four Yeah, um, of, of going there. And, and I got to say a few things about Antarctica. So anybody who's watched a Netflix documentary or gone on YouTube, 
you've been fire hosed with a whole bunch of clickbait about Antarctica. It's, you know, it's a hundred degrees below zero and the wind is a hundred miles an hour. It's the most inhospitable, you know, frozen desert and all of that. And guess what? All that's true. Um, but what you don't get from all of that is that if you're the kind of person who would do a winter vacation, like skiing or snowmobiling, like being outside on a cold day kind of stuff, mm-hmm. if you're the kind of person who enjoys that, Antarctica is the most beautiful place you have ever been in your life and heartbreakingly beautiful and absolutely fun and not uncomfortable. Like it's, you know, in February, which is summer, it's 30 degrees. I mean, it's, I mean, what's the big, it was colder in Chicago than it was in Antarctica when I was there. Um, At the same time, that beauty has danger it is still a dangerous place it's incredibly dangerous and but but look that's a that's a principle of life okay you want to sit in a pastel apartment and you know have your uber eats delivered to you and watch netflix well i guess that's how a lot of people want to live their life and no danger no growth uh no intellectual stimulation really uh no adventures nothing accomplished. Um, you know, when you die, they'll say a few nice things about you and then you'll be forgotten. Is that what you want? Like, really? Hmm. Um, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, so it, it, it was, it was an incredible trip. And, and I, and then I, I picked up Shackleton's autobiography and I read his telling of the story again. And it was just, I got so much out of re- I got more out of reading Shackleton's biography than I would get out of 10 business books. If I could even get through the 10 business books, um, it was, it was learning through pa- almost like a parable. I mean, you came back fired up. I mean, oh. you're, we, we had uh, you had a couple of your coaching groups meet within weeks after that trip. And you were, expounding on very specific, like talk about what you learned and what you were like really pushing out to your members at that time. Well, so when I read the Shackleton story the first time, uh, it was like, it was almost like the, the kind of clickbait thing, like, Oh my goodness, these guys are so brave and they're so courageous and they braved frostbite and, and like, and I haven't even scratched the surface of the actual details of the story. What's really interesting is when you get to the hour by hour, day by day of all the stuff that they were dealing Mm -hmm. with. Okay. And it's very, very impressive. And it's a world-class accomplishment of leadership. But when I, after being there and having a much clearer context for the whole thing and seeing all the different kinds of ice and all the things that go on there and then reading his biography I suddenly realized, because he said this, there wasn't anything that happened on that trip for which he was not prepared, mm-hmm. including his ship sinking. There had been other people 
Who were explorers in Antarctica within the previous 20 years? Whose ships had sunk? And they had spent the winter, you know, stranded on an island or some somewhere, and they had figured out how to survive. They went there meticulously, ridiculously prepared. They had a 350-ton ship, coal-powered steamship, with all of these supplies and provisions and everything. Now, when the ship sinks and you don't have a place to put all that stuff, well, you got a lot of 80-20 hard decisions you got to make. Okay. Right. But I, I realized that in, in a way that a business book would never teach me, I realized that I've spent a lot of my business career improvising my way out of situations that I could have just been prepared for <laughs> and that it, I wouldn't have had to waste any brain cells scrambling around, figuring out what, it, what to do, um, which is a, it's kind of a signature pattern in my life. Um, uh, one story that, uh, that I have is getting lost on an island in Western <laughs> Ireland in 2015 and almost dying of hypothermia, uh, shivering under a rock at the end. And uh, why did that happen? It happened because I didn't bring a jacket. I only brought one water bottle. I didn't bring extra food. I didn't bring jeans. Um, I like, and I, I could go on and on about, uh, didn't have a battery charger for my cell phone. And it was kind of this nonchalant, well, what could go wrong? Well, a lot could go wrong on a hike. Now, people that hike a lot know this. People who only hike once a year may not know this, right? Mm. And, and uh, when, I, when I got back from that trip, it was a very scary experience. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was probably, you know, maybe five degrees away from from dying of hypothermia, but oh. I survived. Um, when I got back from the trip, I wrote a newsletter about this and I, and I mailed up the newsletter and I started getting these emails and texts from people. And there was two kinds that I got very distinctly. One kind was, Oh, Perry, I'm like, imagine I'm Brandon. I'm putting my hand on your shoulder. <laughs> okay. Perry, I'm glad you're okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then the other kind was, dude. <laughs> yes. I saw, that, I saw that coming a mile away. Perry, that was stupid. <laughs> Perry, what were you thinking? <laughs> One guy emailed me. He goes, I lived across the street from Cairngorm National Park in Scotland. And Every summer, once a week, an American would come out of that place in a body bag oh. because he did exactly what you did. You are so lucky. You have no idea. Mm. Like they weren't patting me on the back or giving me a kiss by boo-boos. They were like, yeah, like you are lucky to be alive. Man. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and that, that whole trip of getting lost. Now I got lost in the fog and went around in circles and didn't know I was going around in circles. I figured out, well, I figured out when I reappeared at the end of the Island for the second time that I had gone around in circles, lost people go around in circles, lost people in business go around in circles. Like if you want, if, 
watch somebody whose business is failing or walk yourself through your own business. If you went bankrupt three years ago, how much walking around in circles did you do before the whole thing caved in? And and so that underscores my point that we, we all think we're doing all these different things. We're, we're all doing the same things. Like Bob does the same thing I do, which is the same thing Brandon does, which is biology. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Brandon, I ask you this yeah. question. Why do so many people follow uh, gurus? I'm using air quotes here, which you can't see on your, on your, on your stream. <laughs> but why do people choose to follow gurus that pose in front of Lamborghinis and have this facade and don't talk anything about failures? Like, why would anyone in the world want to follow that? And and why do those people have so many more followers than somebody like Perry, who actually admits his failures? Like, what do you think about that, BB? Yeah, you know, so I wrote this book, and Perry, I think you re- you recommended it to me years ago, and that's The True Believer by Eric Hofer. And, you know, wonderful book on the nature of mass movements. And, you know, we have all types of major and big mass movements everywhere and people buy into ideologies. And when I was cutting my teeth early in the internet marketing space, which is, you know, has the highest integrity uh, of any, (laughs) you know, any, any space available, you know, start with, well, I was frustrated because I knew I was capable of creating more income and wealth and delivering value than I was doing sitting at my desk job in my cubicle, you know, answering to a CEO that didn't want to be there either. So when you are ripe for offering a solution, it's the old Gary Halbert quote is what's the most important thing to a starving crowd is, is, you know, it's, it's the hamburger stand, it, you know, it's, it's the food. It's, it's, it's not the headline. It's, I was ripe and I was frustrated for wanting to make a change and also maybe bypassing some common sense, bypassing, asking harder questions. And I think Perry, you've got, you've got the, your Amway story is probably that. And I, I even wonder sometimes does every human being have to have an Amway story or a, a church story or a MLM story or something where they bought into hook, line, and sinker, or they bought into an ideology where they later, it became really an education for them later in life is what not to do. Um, thoughts on that, Perry? Well, I imagine everybody has seen an ad that has a picture of a guy wearing a suit and one of his feet is up on the bumper of a Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got his elbow on his knee. You can see his Rolex. There's a McMansion behind him. And, and the headline says something like, you know, you too can um, make a fortune in real estate, right? Okay, now, so there's what the ad says and there's what it's code for. The, that ad is actually code for, hey, you broke loser who <laughs> scraped 79 cents out of your car seats yesterday to buy Taco Bell and who turns off your cell phone so that the bill collectors can't find you. I am going to show you a better way. And then what said person and what said loser engage in is a game of pretending 
where the guru pretends to know more than he knows and the, and the pretender, the, the, the loser pretends to have more money than he actually has and, and hmm. buys a ticket onto the good ship, hope. And, and, and one of the things about these situations is that everybody to some degree is lying to themselves and deciding that it's acceptable. And like one of the things that I had to realize about my six year, uh, I mean, that's an embarrassing number, six <laughs> year um, trip around the Amway merry-go-round was I was saying everything they were saying, which means every half, half truth I was being told, I was repeated. And I knew some of them were half-truths. Mm. I didn't know all of them were half-truths, but I knew some of them were. Okay? And like that's kind of like, that's the point at which you get hooked, is when you start being dishonest with yourself. And one of the things that, so I, I think um, business gurus are a lot like boyfriends. <laughs> there, there are exciting biker boyfriends who have this funny tendency to get drunk and push you down the stairs at the holiday inn uh, after they've done mean things to you in the hotel room. Um, and there are steady, boring boyfriends who open your car doors and pay for dinner and bring you home when your dad wants you home right and the biker boyfriend is more exciting uh but also comes with a lot more drama <laughs> and and a lot of people have to go through a few rounds of the biker boyfriend before they figure out that they actually need a real boyfriend and you know one of the things john paul mendocha told me after spending uh, an entire weekend helping me run one of my seminars. He goes, Perry, your people have something very, very interesting, almost a hundred percent in common. And I said, what is that? And he said, almost all of your people have been through not one, but two failure cycles. They mm -hmm. were in MLM, let's say, and they, you know, spent all their money and they got ripped off. And then they went to the next thing. And then the next thing, I don't know, maybe it was affiliate marketing or maybe it was real estate or maybe it was something else. And they lost all their money doing that. And now they're ready to listen. Because before they only wanted to hear what people told them, they mm -hmm. want people to tell them business is easy. They want to tell it, uh, hear that it's three simple steps. They want to hear that it's just a system and you just follow this formula and uh, and it cannot fail and they they don't want anybody to tell them you know what guess what you're going to have to bring something unique and special to the table that nobody else can bring and you're going to have to figure some things out and we can't figure it out all for you they don't want to hear that mm. and so they will fail and fail and fail until they're ready to hear that which is certainly what happened to me
So the lesson is, if you want to sell something like that, it's really easy. Just 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 lie and say how easy it is, right? I mean, right. the key to making more money is to tell more lies. Well, <laughs> in the short. In the short okay, right. But, but it's very it's very thin. It's 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 like flash paper, right? It burns, but it burns quickly. And yeah, yeah very tongue in cheek. You know, one. I I think the reason people like reading you, Perry, they they like learning from you is that you have failed and you've got scars, but you've got stories of victory. I mean, every movie, every book that is endeared by our culture is full of failed heroes, right? I mean, you know, we learned this from from Campbell years ago, like the hero's journey is what we're attracted to. It's what we've been attracted to throughout history. So, you know, it kind of leads me to this question, Perry. How does a failed Amway salesman and former electrical engineer have the balls to attack something like curing cancer? <laughs> well, you know, some things you do because you're pissed off. And like, nobody's doing this right. So I guess it's going to be me. Now, in my case, it wasn't actually cancer. It was evolution. Like, well, that's a weird topic to fall into. Well, right? yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's totally weird. But <clears throat> the way it started was I was visiting my brother in China. One of these trips, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Notice. But he he was working there as a missionary, and he'd been there for four years, and we're both pastor's kids, and we're both people of faith. And he said, you know what? I'm not buying this Christianity thing anymore. I don't believe this anymore. And I'm in about a month, I'm going home, and I'm done. And we got into this argument. I said, Brian, look at the hand at the end of your arm. This is an amazing piece of engineering. And I'm an engineer, so I should know. <laughs> you don't think this is an accumulation of random accidents, do you? Now, I think most people have this conversation with somebody. Right. And he he came right back with the complete opposite answer that he would have told me a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, the it was the standard neo-Darwinian natural selection kind of story. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that and I thought, I've never studied this. Um, my engineering experience and instincts tells me there's something very special about my hand. I don't actually know, like, deep into the subject. And come to think of it, I also know a bunch of biologists would agree it with him and not me. And they're not stupid. So do they know something I don't? And you have to understand that Brian and I had already been having this conversation for two years. I just didn't realize that when I got to China, that now the conversation is over. Hmm. He's made up his mind. Hmm. And he was pushing my buttons really hard because. He was asking incredibly smart questions, and I didn't have the answer to all these questions. And I felt like I should. like, And I don't think that was an illusion either. I think he was asking very legitimate questions that deserved answers. And I didn't 
know all these answers. I felt like these, these answers ought to exist somewhere if I'm going to continue to believe this. And so I just made up my mind right there on the spot. You know what? I'm going to lay this on the engineering anvil. <clears throat> I'm an engineer. I don't know biology, but I I'd have figured it out because it's, it's the same laws and physics of chemistry and everything else like that I learned in engineering school. It's just applied to a different situation. So if the story Brian's telling me is true, I'll find out sooner or later. So here we go. And I go down this rabbit hole. Well, I started to figure some things out. And really what I figured out was the entire topic had been completely butchered. That all of the interesting stuff was kind of buried over in the corner somewhere. And everybody was arguing about talking points that were almost, it was almost designed to just go around in circles because, mm. because and all of us have seen this even more in the last three or four years than you ever saw it back then, but it was the same thing. It's where you have a position on the left that's very entrenched. You have a position on the right that's very entrenched and they make all their money just from people fighting. Hmm. They're not, yeah. They are not attempting to solve anything. There is no attempt to, to solve the problem whatsoever going on at all. Mm -hmm. There is a circus and you sell tickets to the circus by getting people right with each yeah. other. Okay. Yep. Agree. Um, and, and, and this has gotten much worse as we all know yeah. the last number of years. And I looked at this and I, I was like, this is completely unacceptable because I did start figuring out some very, 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 very definite things. Um, there were some like absolute certainties that I was able to map out. And then there was a whole bunch of ambiguities in that. The ambiguous stuff was really interesting. It was like, well, this is an unanswered question. If somebody figured that out, that'd be worth like a trillion dollars. Hmm. Somebody who figured that out, it'd be worth like a billion dollars. If somebody figured out that out, you'd settle philosophical conversations that people have been having for 2,000 years. So I don't see anybody who's doing this the way it needs to be done. So I guess it's me. <laughs> um, and, and that eventually led to cancer, which we could get into later if you want to, but, but I, I'm describing the pattern because the pattern keeps being the pattern. Yes. And you, you mentioned this at one of your recent events, um, you were talking to the group and, and one of the things that you were nudging us towards, and I think it was a subversion summit and, 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 and imploring us to do was get over this idea of imposter syndrome because nothing, nothing, no change or disruption comes to an industry, to a space, to a, to a ideology from inside, you know, even what you, what you've been dealing with, with, you know, the, the cancer and, and, and the medical is there's so much entrenchment and you're not going to fix it by getting in the trench. You're going to talk a little bit about that if you will. So most industries I've come to realize are about 50 years out of date, hmm. 50 years behind state of the art. Um, you could go in, in technology, maybe the number is only 10, but really in most, if, if we're talking about 
bowling alleys, chiropractors, biology books, um, you know, restaurants. Like I'm sure most restaurants are 50 years behind what is the best way to run a restaurant? Like what's the best oven? What's the best management strategy? What's the best way to do this or that? Manage the supply chain versus what they're actually doing. Literally 20 to 50 years behind. And I found it was no, like it's no different with a lot of science textbooks. Like the explanation of, of, bio, of, of evolution that you get in most biology books is absurdly out of date. And, and so now why is this? It's because the money, like the easy money supports the status quo. Ooh. Okay, if, if, if you just want to roll out of bed, um, mindlessly plod through your day and pay your rent, the 50 years old thing is the easiest thing to do. It's the least controversial. Nobody's going to argue with you about it. Nobody's going to say you're stupid because everybody does it, right? In fact, the, the fact that everybody does it just reinforces and reinforces and reinforces it. So then if you look at, you can go th all through history and you go, where did the breakthroughs come from? So was Einstein a standard physicist? No. Was Darwin a standard biologist? No. Was Bill Gates from the computer industry? No. Mm. Uh, was, was Steve Jobs, like, did, was he one of the good old boys? No. Did Larry and Sergey, who started Google, were, were they... Um, you know, good old boys in the search engine industry. No, they were Stanford grad students who were working on a scientific formula about scientific paper citations, and they sort of accidentally found this thing, right? Um, was the founder of FedEx from the shipping industry. You, you can go on and on and on. So most innovations are, are brought in from the outside. So if you are an outsider and you know that you know that you know that you know something, then you can walk into an industry and you can bring that into that industry. And if you've done your homework, you can know that you're doing the right thing. Now, but what Brandon is saying is you're still going to have chattering inside your head that says, yeah, but you're not one of them. Yeah, but you don't have a PhD. Like I'm a member, I'm on the steering committee of the American Association of Cancer Research, Cancer and Evolution Group. There's like, I don't know, 30 people on the steering committee. I'm the only one that doesn't have a MD or a PhD. It says Perry Marshall BS. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, like I didn't even tell him that, oh, well, you, you need to change that. It's like, well, it's kind of funny and I'm not afraid to laugh at myself. And um, I, I enjoy the fact that all these MDs and PhDs you know, treat me like a, a colleague or an equal. Um, it, it's really okay. So the so, connection, the connection, just real quick, Brandon, yeah. the, the connection then from evolution to diving into tackling somehow how to cure cancer. What's the bridge there, Perry? So the bridge is the, the best definition of cancer is it's your own, the cells of your own body evolving out of control. Okay, so when I got in that argument with Brian in 2004 about evolution, the story he told me was, 
well, you know, the Falcon, there's millions of Falcons and every now and then one of them gets a little accidental mutation and then it makes its eye better. And then, and then the Falcons eventually get better. Well, that's not really how it works. It's an active process. The organism is engineering its own changes in real time, which means that it's possible that the falcon improves its situation during its lifetime and passes the change down to its children, um, not by accident, on purpose. Okay, so bringing that back to cancer, the cells of your body are incredibly smart. And they have a very sophisticated toolbox for cutting, splicing, editing, changing, rewriting their DNA, and doing all kinds of unbelievable engineering on the fly. And what happens when you get cancer is, uh, let's say you've got a lung, let's say you've been a smoker and you get lung cancer. Well, you've got lung cells that are like, it's dark and smoky in here. I don't like it. I'm done with this. I'm tired of rowing in this galley ship. I want out. And um, many times what happens is it, is it forms a mer merger acquisition with a white blood cell and it leaves because hmm. the white blood cell has mobility and it has an all excess pass to the rest of the body. And this cancerous cell starts going around your body and spreading cancer around. Um, and, and then when your immune system tries to attack it, or more importantly, when you douse it with chemo or radiation, those cells, their evolutionary machinery switches on. And two months later, you have a thousand species of cancer cells instead of one species of cancer cell. And the tumor has shrunk because they killed most of it. But now you've got a smaller tumor with a thousand kinds of cancer cells and four months later, you're dead. And so what I understood was that cancer is really evolution running out of control. And that if you misunderstand evolution, you'll never understand cancer correctly. And since I had spent the previous 10 years working with some really smart people in evolution who were defying the status quo, I kind of had my head screwed on straight about evolution. And I immediately started seeing like patterns like, oh, so if that's true, this should, this should check out. And then it does. And if that's true, this should check out. And it does. And, and pretty soon we're starting um, a scientific organization, which now has 1500 members. Hey everybody, Brandon here, and I just want to encourage you to go ahead over to perrymarshall.info. You know, we love have Perry, having Perry as a friend and a client, and his, his stories and his life are quite fascinating and inspiring for so many people out there in the entrepreneur space, and really just anyone looking to make their beautiful dent. Um, so we want to encourage you, Perry is just an amazing thought leader in, in all different types of spaces, especially business and marketing. And his stuff is worth a read. You know, things stop when, when his emails come in my inbox and his newsletters come. The world stops and I glean some really uh, important things from what he has to say. So I want to encourage you to do that. And thanks again for listening today. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, 
Bob Brignaris and Brandon Boyd. This is not just you, Perry. Anyone listening to this is probably have the mindset where you come in and you're like, you have this superpower because you know this information. So here's all the biologists and the Darwinists who basically all they all communicate with each other. And then you have the intelligent design creationists. The earth is 3000 years old talking over here. And then here you come as a as a business expert and electrical engineer. And you just you're looking at the same issues, but with a different lens. Now, you rattled off a bunch of technical medical stuff. You've obviously studied it, but you came in with this fresh perspective, which is exactly what most entrepreneurs do is you right. come into an industry where they're arguing over here, they're arguing over here. I mean, you know, this is this is an environment like media is ripe for somebody to come in. Government is ripe. Religion yes. is ripe. Like the world is craving people like you, Perry, to go into these places and go like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> like this you're true like this is what's true about you this is what's true about you now let's figure out what how to solve this thing in the middle i think that's the big lesson here is mm. like this is what a lot of us are called to do is like we just have this x-ray vision we have this sense of like hey like this is a problem and we're going about solving it the entirely wrong way have you thought about this i mean brandon i, I know you were gonna kind of piggyback on that yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> so many thoughts rushing. Um, where I was going to go was is, is let is Perry. One thing you've done recently, I'll say fairly recently, in the past five years or so, is we talk about this idea of Renaissance time. Yeah, and you know, we we all know you know we've been in a spiritual aspect. You know, there are people we've been told to you know have our quiet time, or in some cases, it's meditation time. I, I think what you've introduced or reintroduced or modified is, hey, entrepreneurs need to have some kind of a, I'll call it a spiritual practice, whether whatever you believe doesn't matter, but you need to have a space to let the messages come in to not all get out of bed, roll out, grab the coffee and go and start hammering away at a keyboard and emails. There needs to be a, a, a space in between um, to create awareness. And that was going to lead me into a question um, is uh, if you're to look at your, your business, your, your life and what you've been doing, um, it, it look at it like, you know, I'm on Netflix and I do a search for, you know, sci-fi or, or, or horror or woo woo movies. Paranormal. Let's just, paranormal. Better. Yeah. Paranormal. Uh, let's leave horror out of it. We'll save that for another <laughs> time. But, uh, but a, a paranormal story that you have in your business that's been transitory. I have one in mind, but I want to let you see what comes out of oh, you. Well, what, what's, been, what's been something like that that was just unexplained, <laughs> but it happened? Well, I've got a few of those. I, I've got a whole book full of those now. But uh, the, the biggest one um, is... Uh, in 2003, I had been reading Richard Koch's 80-20 book, and I had realized that, hey, wait a minute, this 80-20 thing is a calculus formula, except I can't find, I can't find the way of representing that that 
is what I'm picturing in my mind. And so I was um, flailing around looking for uh, some way to solve this. And I was stuck on it. And I'm an electrical engineer and I, you know, I, I think these kind of thoughts. And so this one day it was a Friday and I was just grinding away at this thing and, and obsessing about it. Um, how do I solve this math problem? And the other thing I was obsessing about that day was three days before I had had a caveman discovers fire moment in my business, which, uh, you know, a lot of experienced entrepreneurs have all had a few of those. Wow, that worked way better than I real, uh, than I thought it would. Uh, maybe we should do that some more. I could make a lot of money doing this. And I was thinking, my brother-in-law has this little project in Mozambique that's serving all these poor people. How could I help this project in Mozambique? And so I was thinking about both of these things all day long. And I, they had this music thing at church and it was a Friday night. So I go there and they're just playing this music. And I'm in La La Land and I'm thinking <laughs> about calculus and I'm thinking about Mozambique. And I look up and a woman is making a beeline for me. She's black. I've never seen her before. I have no idea who she is. She sticks out her hand and she says, hi, my name is Vivian and the Lord gave me a word for you. <laughs> and I thought, I've heard of things like this before. I've never had it happen. This ought to be interesting. And she goes, the Lord told me that you're very, very good at math and you're working some kind of equation, some kind of formula, some kind of invention. And you're going to figure it out. Just keep working on it. You're going to figure it out. And I thought to myself, whoa, I haven't talked to anybody about this. Like anybody. I haven't talked to my wife about it. I've been, yeah, I've been working on a math problem all day long. Like what are the chances <laughs> that some complete stranger would just walk up to you? I mean, I didn't walk up to her. And just tell me what I'm thinking about. And she turns to walk away and then she spins around. And she says, oh, and he told me something else too. You want to support missions and God is going to bless your business so you can support missions. And now she really had me. Hmm. And I just stared at her. And I was almost in tears, and I managed to say, if only you knew. And she goes, he knows, sticks her finger up in the air, and walks away. They just left. And I'm standing there by myself. I'm like, did that just happen? Mm -hmm. Like, that really happened. A complete stranger just walked up to me, told me what I've been thinking about all day long, two things both of them right and walked away. Well, Perry, I think you just got a memo from the head office. <laughs> and the rest and maybe, maybe you should keep working on that math equation. And maybe you should mentally gear yourself for your business becoming more successful. Well, that's not the end of the story. So 
a couple of years go by, my business has grown four or 500%. Why? Because I wrote a book on Google advertising and Google had hit the hockey stick right at that time and just went supernova. And I went back and looked and I figured out that I got invited to speak at a seminar about Google AdWords three days before I met her, which was the first time that I ever really had any serious thought of turning that into a business. Um, And I figured out the calculus formula three years later, which is now the backbone of my 8020 book. It's published in Harvard Business Review. Um, So, you know, what are the chances? that Vivian just got lucky <laughs> yeah. versus what are the chances that there are certain synchronicities, there are certain memos from the head office that I was supposed to get so that I would finish some things that I had started. And so this story Fast forward, I mean, this is 19 years ago, believe it or not, um, has spun more stories and other stories and different stories, and it's turned into a whole thing. And so I have a book called Memos from the Head Office, which it's, like, it's I don't know, 20 or 25 different people all telling stories like this. And they're all names, dates, places. It, they're not anonymous. Um, most of these people, you could look them up and find them if you wanted to. And I wouldn't even discourage you from doing so. If you want to go, you know, find out who these people are, have at it because they're all true. Right. And so, and so going back to Bob's, um, point is that Bob was talking about what I call Renaissance time, which is starting your day in a prayerful, meditative, thinking, and reflective state, and not, 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 not um, indulging in putting out fires and answering emails and watching CNN and being on social media and sending text messages and all this stuff, because you can't think your own thoughts and somebody else's thoughts at the same time. And, And so putting yourself in a listening space where you ask for guidance and you listen for it. I think it's one of the most important things you can possibly ever do. And Bill Bain, the founder of Bain Consulting, had this great saying, don't let action drive out thought. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what most people do. If, If you... If you pull your phone off the nightstand and start the death scroll in some <laughs> media, social media, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, okay, and then you wolf down your breakfast while watching CNN, and then you go immediately to your inbox and start responding to everybody's anxiety, <laughs> you have created a perfect cocktail for being very, very busy and accomplishing almost nothing. It's not nothing. It's just enough not nothing to make you think that you're productive when you're actually not productive at all. 
So it's safe to say that encounter kicked off at least later in life, this, this practice that you now teach others to do. I think just to help close the loop on that story, you did not know her name at that time. In fact, it took you years to track her down, correct? Right. She said, my name is Vivian. That is all I knew. Okay. Some woman named Vivian walked up to me. Well, I started asking around. I found a guy who knew who she was and he told me her last name. So I tried to look her up. Um, I couldn't find her. So I gave up. Well, 10 years later, my book came out. The dedication said to the master mathematician and to Vivian. I thought, I got to go find this woman, Hmm. this mysterious Vivian. I got to find her. Um, So I started tracking her down. I eventually found her. And I took her out to dinner with her husband and I showed her like, guess what's happened in the last 10 years. And, um, and so we became friends and we started doing these calls in our (laughs) Renaissance club called memos from the head office, which I think both of you guys have been on those calls. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's like, and I, and I think the funnier thing, Perry, is that when she talked to you the first time, she thought you were a doctor and her thought was that you were probably on working on a cure for cancer. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she thought, well, that, that guy looks like a doctor and he's got a cure for cancer. And then she told me that later. And I thought, well, that's funny because I was a marketing guy working on an 80-20 problem. And um, two years ago, when I was six months into this cancer project, she said, Perry, the first time I saw you, I thought he's a doctor and he's got a cure for cancer. She goes, Perry, listen to me. Listen to me, Perry St. Marshall. <laughs> she grabs me by the lapels. They call you doctor, Dr. Marshall. She goes, you are a doctor and a cure for cancer is looking for you. Do you understand, Perry? Yes, Vivian, I understand. I think one of the greatest things that an entrepreneur could have, which is which is a lonely road, is is colleagues to encourage you, but also amuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call it whatever you want: the universe, um, a guardian angel, somebody from your whatever the case may be. Is that you have to believe that there is a greater energy, a greater being pushing for you and rooting for you and helping you along the way. And I think that's a great encouragement for us um, as entrepreneurs to to tap into that or at least be open to the possibility of that um, to help you and guide you along the way. Um, when you start to believe that, I think amazing things happen. So, Brandon? Yeah. I mean, and that makes sense. It's, it's, it's in con- alignment with what we talked about earlier. I think, you know, travel has been your muse, Perry. And um and what is and what is that muse? It's 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 a an event, an experience, a voice, a person, a relationship that maybe breaks you out of that shakes your snow globe for you, that breaks you out of, you know, getting entrenched thinking in anything and giving you permission to explore that. Well, I also uh, think you can have a relationship with nature, not merely an experience of nature. Uh, w- one of the things that I absolutely believe about the world is that. Um, the living world is self-aware. Self-awareness is not just limited to Perry and Brandon and Bob and maybe our dogs and cats. If you wake up and pay attention, 
are, are you going to tell me that a house fly is not self-aware? Are you going to tell me that a grasshopper is not self-aware? Uh, or a cockroach in your basement or a mouse? And, uh, you know, one of my evolution heroes, Barbara McClintock, she studied corn, corn plants. And in her Nobel Prize speech, she said, one of the challenges of the 21st century will be to ask the question, what does a cell know about itself? And she said that in 1984. Mm. Okay. And mm. in my experience of getting into nature is that when you get into nature, you're aware of nature, but nature is also aware of you. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I'm just going to like, one of my favorite things to do in travel, I like to go to the cliffs of Western Ireland and lay on the grass, which is as thick as carpet. I mean, it's, it's the craziest grass you've ever seen. And like, just, just lay on the grass, and like bury my face in the grass and take a deep breath because it's so fresh. But I enjoy laying on the grass, but the grass enjoys me too. Mm. Mm. Okay. People talk to their plants for a reason. And, and, and I think this is another dimension of, um, uh, of life and existence that most modern people aren't aware of. Um, and in fact, in fact, one of the, one of the questions we're going to have to answer in order to cure cancer is what is it that all those cancer cells really want? They're not just little machines that are running out of control. They are beings that have decided to be in competition with the other tissues of your body. And so um, it's, it's kind of like fighting a war. Well, you go nuke Iraq and nuke Afghanistan. How does that turn out versus what happens if you do what you're, what, well, what the United States did after World War II and go in and rebuild and, you know, look, look, look at what happened in Europe, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of, well, okay, this place has been bombed like crazy. Like, what if we rebuild this place in the kind of place that everybody wants it to be? What could it turn into? Well, I think Europe's like a pretty great place to visit, right? And so we have to bring completely different level of thinking to these problems, and, uh, and that's the excitement of being an entrepreneur, because if you just work for a big, dumb insurance company, then you're going to punch the clock and you're going to do that. But what if you're an entrepreneur and you get to invent the future? That's really fun. Wow. Love it. Well, that transitions into uh, a segment we like to do called the 60 second rant or the soapbox. Uh, <laughs> where Perry, you can, you've got 60 seconds, you can stand on a soapbox you can rant about anything from, you know, how, which, who has the best hamburgers to, if you want to continue your point uh, about evolution and what, you know, what entrepreneurship is going to look like going forward, but uh, putting you on the spot, go. 
just pick three rants. A rant. Just pick a rant. A rant. A, oh, a rant. A rant. Oh. 60 seconds. <laughs> okay, so w- one of the things that I think the world is sadly, desperately lacking in needing is real dialogue. And I want to encourage you to find somebody you disagree with on any level. It could be a son or daughter. It could be a spouse. Uh, It could be your Facebook friend. Go have a coffee or a beer and talk it out. And instead of arguing talking points, that somebody gave you that you think are your own, but you actually just stole from some echo chamber. (laughs) Um, Both of you tell the story of how you got to think how you came personally to think the way that you do, like what's the story behind the story and see what happens. Great, great, great advice. Awesome. Love it, love it. So kind of the last thing, Perry, is um, put put the crystal ball in front of you. Um, look ahead. Hopefully it's something positive, but if it's something you want to warn us about, but you know, what do you, what do you see happening in the future that maybe you're excited about or concerned about? Well, one of the goals of my life is to create a new renaissance. I use that phrase a lot. I'm really serious about it. The last one was 500 years ago and we're overdue for another one. Uh, But I, I think one thing that would be useful to point out is that if you were to travel back to 1490, So Columbus discovered America in 1492. If you went back to two years before Columbus discovered America, you would find that the mood of society was generally negative. The outlook was not good. Hmm. Um, The social mood was pessimistic. Um, They had recently been through a pandemic (laughs) um, and there was a lot of people talking about, well, I guess this is how it ends. When Columbus discovered America, it ignited imaginations to a degree that's difficult to appreciate because It is true. Most people can't like get on a ship and like go to another continent or, you know, nobody's going to America on vacation, you know, back then. Right. The maps are being redrawn and the, and the the very notion of what's possible suddenly just blew through the ceiling. Right. Oh my goodness. There's entire continents that we barely know a thing about Hmm. and and the the sense of possibilities just opened up and i guess what i want to speak 
to here is that I think the world is in an existential crisis in a way that it wasn't 20 or 30 years ago. People are questioning everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of conversation about how, you know, we've, we've lost our ability to talk to each other and, you know, all of those concerns are valid, but I think we are in a, a transitional state where things get messy before they start making more sense. And you just need to let the chaos spin, hmm. stay in your lane, and figure out what your personal renaissance is and pursue that. Hmm. I think it, it only takes 1% of people waking up to get us there. You don't have to get everybody on board with us. It only takes a few. That is, that is enlightening. That's, that's amazing. And um, I think Brandon and I both agree with you. I think the chaos of the last couple decades, um, if you, if you don't believe that it leads to some sort of healing or transformation mm -hmm. in this earth, then you're a pretty miserable person. Um, and I've had times where it's like, I don't see this thing ending well, but when you do look back on history, you see times where this has actually happened and you know, maybe we don't discover a new continent, but, you know, maybe we make a new discovery inside of ourselves, right? It's, it's something we learn about ourselves, about DNA, about another planet. You know, it's, it's something that, that moves the earth forward, uh, humanity forward for, for a better term. And I, I love the, I love the optimism and, mm -hmm. uh, I love that we know you and that, uh, you can share that with us and now share that with our listeners. Perry, uh, it's been an amazing chat. We knew it would be. Um, you have so much to offer people. Um, what would be the best way for people to start to consume some of this if they're interested in anything that you've talked about today? Um, go to perrymarshall.info and sign up in the email sign-up box. Just find the email sign-up box and sign up. And um, there's a there's a, just click on the business page. That's probably the best place to start. And you'll get the 30 day street MBA. You'll get a punch in the face right on the first email. Well, and, and I, and I obviously uh, heading over to Amazon, typing in your name in Amazon. If they're interested in evolution 2.0 mm -hmm. memos from the head office, 80, 20 sales and marketing, or any one of the other books, they're going to be there. Yeah. Um, Including the one we wrote together that we didn't even talk about. The, the Yeah. Non shameless, non shameless plug, of course. <laughs> Brandon, you want to close this out? Yeah. Hey, Perry, thank you so much. We so appreciate working with you. It's just always a pleasure. Um, I'm I already in my mind of thinking of future episodes where we catch up down the road and, and see what's next and see what else is cooking and continue on this on this vein. So thank you very much for for coming today. I'm honored to be on your show. It's really special. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs, 
making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder. 